Welcome to The Vortex with your host, Addie, an ancient cosmic soul, transformation and mindset expert, and evolutionary astrologer. My mission is to help inspire and guide you to help unlock your soul's potential so you can live a joyful, empowered, abundant life. This is a podcast where we take deep dives into topics all along the lines of astrology, spirituality, metaphysics, and so much more. So with further ado, let's dive into today's episode and topic. Hello again, beautiful souls. Welcome back to another episode of Welcome to the Vortex with your host, Addie. Today's episode, we are going to be taking a deep dive into the planet Pluto, talking about Pluto and the transit of Aquarius that it will be traveling through Aquarius for the next 20 years. So it's about Pluto, everything about Pluto and Aquarius, kind of like your 20-year survival guide in a way, even though, I mean, I will be talking about Pluto and Aquarius for the next 20 years since we are in this transit. So stay tuned for that. That's what this episode is going to be all about. Next week will be the April Astrology Dates podcast. So stay tuned for that for next week. But this episode, we're just covering everything about Pluto and Aquarius, what we can expect. I've been looking back at the history from like the 1770s from when Pluto would last in Aquarius, but then it was also in Aquarius from 1532 and 1553. So been looking at the history around there because that was also kind of towards like the tail end of the Renaissance period. So very interesting stuff that I've been finding out and uncovering in a very Plutonian style, of course. So I feel like this is going to be a good episode, probably another long one, but that's the beauty of Pluto because with Pluto you can go as deep as you want or you can just lightly touch the surface and not go very deep. That's the beauty of Pluto. But I still have my astrology readings open. They are just like the astro PDF reports or you can get like a pre-recorded Zoom report reading from me where I, I like video myself like doing like your astrology chart through Zoom and then I'll send you the video. I just, I'm not doing live readings yet, but that link is in my show notes. And before we officially dive into this episode, let's just kind of do a recap of what's been going on the last week because a lot happened since last week into now. So March 20th was when we had the sun leave Pisces and Aries. That was also the start of the new astrology year so we ended a whole like astrology year we made it through all 12 signs I mean it's definitely something to celebrate and so now we're in a new year it's Aries season and the day after March 21st we had that Aries new moon at the zero point of Aries that was in opposition with the dwarf planet Ceres and so this was really helping us figure out where we've been out of balance helping us figure out how we can get back in balance in our lives bring back the self-care and the self-nurturing energy as well and then on March 23rd was when we had Pluto enter Aquarius and it was so interesting to see like the headlines and stuff that came out and I'll be talking about that in this episode but yes Pluto's in Aquarius now March 25th, which was yesterday, Mars entered Cancer at 7.45 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So that was about 4.45 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember that we also are getting one more Aries new moon by the end of Aries season. So the fact that we have two Aries new moons as well in this cycle, what's very interesting is that first Aries new moon we had on March 21st, that was with Pluto and Capricorn. And then the second Aries new moon that we'll be getting on April 20th, that's going to have Pluto and Aquarius. So how wild is it that we not only get two Aries new moons this year, but we get two Aries new moons with two different Plutos. Like that's super rare, like super crazy rare, like some beautiful, weird, rare astrology right there. And then all these planetary shifts we went through last week, like I called it a shifty week. And it was definitely quite the balancing act too, because we've been in this, like the one part is we're still like releasing, going through and just releasing all the old, anything no longer serving us, especially since really the Pluto and Capricorn transit's not officially done yet. And you will learn why in this episode. 
But then we're also like in this period where we're starting something new and ushering in the new, especially with us in Aries season. We've already been through the Aries new moon. This is a time for us to really focus on bringing in something new. But with Mars and Cancer now, and especially since Mars has been in Gemini for so long, since August of 2020, Mars is kind of like out of juice at this point. Like it's kind of like out of like its battery life, like it's on like 1%. Um, it's trying to find the charger, it's panicking, and it's like, oh my gosh, what do I do? Where's the charger? I need to recharge myself. And so that's why I think that Aries new moon we had that was in direct opposition to Ceres was a beautiful reminder for us. Where do we need to recharge ourselves? How can we get this energy back? Because Mars is technically at detriment here in Cancer because Mars is co-ruled by Aries Scorpio. So of course, Mars is not really going to be the happiest in Cancer, especially Cancer being ruled by the moon. Like, that's the moon's place. And Mars is like, eh, kind of can be can bring up a lot of irritable energy, weird energy. But it's also a time for us. Like, if we really want to use Mars and Cancer to its highest expression, it's helping us get in tune with our emotions on a deeper level. And how can we make something out of those emotions? Like maybe we can make like some sort of art, maybe like write a poem, write a song, like draw a picture, paint a picture. Maybe you need to get out that excess energy in a physical outlet. Maybe you need to go for a run, walk it out, dance it out, something along those lines. Because with Mars and Cancer too, because Cancer being ruled by the moon, Cancer loves to just like loves home life. And that's what, what cancer rules is the home life and taking care of your home and your environment. This is an opportunity for us to clean up our own environments, whether it is like our emotional environment or personal environment. This is a time for us all to really get back in touch and get those things in gear. This is not a time, especially since we are in Aries season two and with Mars and cancer now, it can be easy to let your emotions take you over, especially the anger. It can be very easy to let the anger take you over. And actually, I'm going to use like my personal life as an example because this is actually a great example with Mars and Cancer in Aries season because I'm a Gemini moon 18 degrees so I've had Mars on my moon for a while and I'm really glad that Mars is out of Gemini just for my own personal reasons but anyway so yesterday I was in a fine mood and I always get up before my boyfriend on the weekends and I do the grocery shopping on Saturdays too and I get home and I'm doing my stuff, I'm in my groove, and then my boyfriend wakes up later and first thing he asks me, he's like, did you get me cigarettes? And I'm like, no, you didn't tell me to get you cigarettes. And he was like, oh, well, actually, I was kind of expecting you to get me cigarettes because, and that was like a miscommunication on our end as well, and I was just really tired that night before, but then instead of him getting really upset and angry, I got really upset and angry about it, and... I had to like take a step back and cool off and I was like I can't like just blow up on him and be like Mars and Cancer about this and get all upset because he said he told me I was supposed to get him cigarettes even though he never told me to get him cigarettes yesterday and I was like you know I just need to go journalist out talk it out and just cool off and then we talked it out and he went and got his own cigarettes, and now we're back in business. But I mean, it could have gone, I, I could have blown it way out of proportion. I could have gotten way super angry and just been like, blah, blah, blah. Like, you need to get your own cigarettes every week. And like, it could have been way worse. And I'm using that example because sometimes with Mars, like with Mars and Cancer, like we can let our emotions boil up and blow things out of proportion. And especially with us being in Aries season, this is where we can really let the anger take us over. So it's important, like if you can bring that self-awareness, take a step back. Don't just blow up on someone. Take a step back and like kind of work it out in your own head, in your own mind. So just wanted to share that little personal example. But we can really utilize like Mars and Cancer to our advantage and just really find like some like like outlet that you can get out your emotions in a healthy way, whether that is like art or working out, something along those lines will really help the Mars and Cancer transit. But now let's just dive into the Pluto and Aquarius, have lots to talk about Pluto and Aquarius. So before we talk about Pluto and Aquarius, let's just take a look at the planet Pluto. And back in 2006, a group of scientists, I think at NASA, 
they decided they wanted to take Pluto off the planet list and just call it a dwarf planet. Well, I still consider it a planet. It still plays a very prominent role in astrology, a very important role in astrology. And I'm going to be reading from the only astrology book you'll ever need on the interpretation of Pluto. So it says, Pluto is a planet of awesome power, but it is a power that we still find largely inexplicable and difficult to understand. Pluto was discovered as recently as 1930. Side note here. Actually, there was work from Galileo and John Dee that proved that they both knew of a Pluto back as early as like 1560, like back in the 1560s or like early, late 1500s, early 1600s. Like that's like they knew there was something out there, even though they couldn't see it. So really, they found Pluto way before 1930, but won't see that in this book. Anyway, so Pluto was discovered as recently as 1930, and as astrologers continue to study this planet's influence in astrology, what is certain is that wherever Pluto appears in your horoscope, that area of life will show a marked change perhaps a transformation. If you have ever experienced one of those blinding moments in which you suddenly see your life in an entirely new light and decide to change everything, you have felt the energy of Pluto. Pluto's action brings to light things hidden in the depths of your subconscious, releases your dormant forces, and causes your suppressed energies to erupt suddenly. Pluto is named after the Roman god of the underworld and the nether regions of Hades and of the spirits of the dead. Originally called Planet 10, or Pluto X, or Planet X, Pluto was given its name by a young British girl whose letter suggesting a new name for the planet was the first to arrive at the Lowell Observatory where Pluto was first discovered. The planet is well named for an astrology. Pluto signifies death and rebirth. It is the planet of regenerative forces of destruction and annihilation and then complete transformation. Its key word is elimination. Pluto wipes the slate clean. I really like that. Pluto wipes the slate clean. Pluto's immense power is felt in world events and in the great tides of history. It influences masses of humanity, enormous groups of people, large organizations, mass media, giant conglomerates, arts, main domain. Pluto rules over such disruptive elements in nature as earthquakes, volcanoes. Its negative influence is shown in mob violence, demonstrates murder, wide-scale terrorism, bombing. Pluto's power has been likened to that of nuclear vision, which both destroys and creates. There are two sides to Pluto's influence, and like the two sides of a coin, they are opposite but part of the same. I'm just going to pause right here because I really like this part where it says like Pluto's power has been likened to that of nuclear fission, which both destroys and creates. I really feel that's where we're at right now, like with Pluto at the zero point of Aquarius, because the zero point in astrology at any like it doesn't matter the sign. Zero point is the most pure form of that zodiac sign. So it really makes sense and it really makes sense why I've been feeling and other people have been feeling we're in like this weird period of both destroying something but also creating something because we're destroying the old. We're taking out the old that's no longer serving us so we can bring in something new. Now I'm going to continue reading. Pluto has a powerful generational influence and also a personal meaning in your chart. The planet governs the beginnings and ends of the phases in life if your life has taken a dramatic shift. For example, you've worked hard for a goal only to see it destroyed or ended and an entirely new direction opened up. Pluto is likely to be prominent in your horoscope. People who have had to leave their homes behind to begin anew in a foreign country or those whose lives were irrevocably altered because of the death of a key figure are under Pluto's influence. The Plutonian character has a deep need to dominate and control and often will rise to great heights. People who have brilliant careers in politics and government and medical research and archaeology are under Pluto's influence. The planet governs the uncovering of secrets of the past in order to clear ground for the future. Even in the most civilized personality, Pluto's force is felt as an undercurrent of turbulence and uncontrolled energy. Its strong negative power may cause some people to be cruel, sadistic, or treacherous, or even lead a life of crime. Pluto's power is seen in both idealistic leaders and brutal dictators. Pluto represents the highest and lowest of which humankind is capable. Some astrologers believe Pluto's power is too arcane and mysterious for human beings to analyze properly now. 
but that the planet will continue to govern impulses in our secret psyche that we do not yet fully understand. Okay, so kind of have a little bit of an argument with this little last part right here because I've just spent like the last month in a Pluto master class taught by the Leo King. He's my biggest astrology mentor teacher, like love him so much. He's the best. You guys should go follow him. And but I'm I'm not getting paid for that or anything. It's just like his his way that he's taught astrology has really helped me and has challenged me and I know it's I wouldn't be the astrologer I am without his teachings. Let's just put it that because I need someone to call me on my bullshit. That's what he does. That's what I like in a teacher. But anyway, because what I've learned in this Pluto masterclass from him is that Pluto is way deeper than we all thought. Like, my understanding of Pluto changed completely from taking this class. And that's why I have to disagree with, like, this last paragraph right here. Because it says, Pluto represents the highest and lowest of which humankind is capable. Yes, that's so true. And some astrologers believe Pluto's power is too arcane and mysterious for human beings to analyze properly. That I have to disagree with. We can analyze this. It just, it takes a long time. Because with Pluto, there are so many layers. Like, think of it like an onion. Like, you have to peel, or like an artichoke. You have to take back layer by layer by layer. And that's what Pluto is. Like, if we really want to understand Pluto, we have to take it back layer by layer by layer. And it's going to take a long time to truly understand Pluto. And that was like the biggest thing I learned from that Pluto Masterclass too, was just that we can spend our entire lives under like learning, just dedicating to understanding Pluto. And personally, I find it super interesting and fascinating as like an astrologer, an astrology nerd. And also just because Pluto is ruled, like Pluto is ruled by Scorpio. And if you were born from like 1984, 1985 to 1995, you have Pluto and Scorpio. So you have Pluto in its home sign, which is a very strong, powerful Pluto like me. And it makes sense. So if you do have that, you're probably interested into like the occult, like learning about something hidden, mysterious, something taboo. And it makes sense that I have an astrology podcast and do all these like little deep dive things. It's a very Pluto Scorpio thing, very Mars Scorpio thing too. But With Pluto, like whatever sign Pluto is in, and I'll just kind of go through like some of the signs I'm just feeling called because I get the demographics for that. And like, so because the Pluto and Gemini generation, that was from like 1882 to like 1914. Actually, Hitler is a great example of a Pluto Gemini person. And he is a great example of someone using the Pluto for bad. So Pluto and Gemini, Hitler, he's a great example of someone who uses it for bad. Pluto and Cancer generation, that was from 1912, 14 to 1939. So maybe like your great grandparents or maybe some like a great aunt, maybe someone in your family who's still alive and kicking it. They probably have Pluto and Cancer. That was during the like Great Depression time as well. So they were someone who was not afraid to just work for whatever. Like they were not afraid to get their hands dirty and just do whatever the job was to get like so they could bring home like food and money for their families and then so they're really focused on the home life Pluto and Cancer too Pluto and Leo that's like your rock star generation because Pluto and Leo was from 1937 1939 to 1956 1958 so like think of like Led Zeppelin the the Rolling Stones maybe um what like Kiss like those rock heavy metal bands, those are all like Pluto and Leo. Like they just want to have a good time and just really rock it out. And But they also kind of like have like this big mask behind them too, where you don't really fully see like their full, like their full life. Like they kind of have like one, like it's like part A that you see, but part B is like behind closed doors. And then the Pluto and Virgo generation. So that was like 1956, 1958 through 1971 to 72 my boyfriend fiance he has pluto and virgo this was also where we had pluto and uranus meet up in virgo from like it was like 1964 to 1967 was around then so if you were born there you probably have pluto uranus conjunct in virgo 
And to me, that conjunction back in the 60s was kind of giving us a sneak preview of what Pluto and Aquarius was going to have because Aquarius is co-ruled by Saturn Uranus. And so this Pluto-Uranus conjunction in Virgo was giving us a little sneak preview of what we could expect in 2023 with Pluto and Aquarius because Virgo and Aquarius are actually kind of similar even though Aquarius is an air sign, Virgo is an earth sign. They both are very intellectual, a little socially awkward, Not, but we both deal with people because I'm a Virgo, so yeah, we, we can be a little socially awkward, but like both those signs deal with humanity and both want to help uplift humanity. So I think it's very interesting that we had that happen. But that Pluto and Virgo generation, they were like the peace, love hippies, even though we didn't really see a big like revolution movement happened, but that was definitely that generation vibe. And then Pluto in Libra, so that was like 1971 to 72 to 1983-84, that was all about like relationships, and then that's like Pluto in Libra was where you saw like divorce kind of come, like that's kind of where divorces started was with that Pluto in Libra vibe generation. And then, because I'm just going through my book too, and it says like, that was like the era of Watergate, shocking revelations of corruption. Um, so that was just bringing, that was the kind of like restoring the balance and restoring the scales with that Pluto and Libra. Because then Pluto and Scorpio, that was 1983 to 84 to 1995. That was like with the HIV AIDS epidemic. And then Pluto and Scorpio too, like this generation, like, can also have like a lot of weird like sexual like trauma sexual issues whether like it's a fear about sex or like not wanting to have kids that's like it's a weird Scorpio like Pluto and Scorpio thing so if you're Pluto Scorpio you probably have some weird issue there and I'm not just saying that to pick on you I mean we all do like I'm a Pluto and Scorpio and I have a weird fear about childbirth and I like never want to have kids ever so it's just a weird Pluto and Scorpio quirk Pluto and Sagittarius, so that's 1995 to 2007. That's like the tail end of 95, like November of 95, December 1995 to 2007, 2008. My brother has Pluto and Sagittarius. Shout out to my brother. I'm just using you as an example because the last time Pluto was in Sagittarius was during the Revolutionary War. And a lot of people who had Pluto and Sagittarius back then were in the military. My, my brother's in the military, so I just, I thought he was a good example of someone really utilizing that Pluto and Sag. Because Pluto and Sag, like Sagittarius, they love to travel, they love to explore philosophy. Like, and so, like the Pluto and Sag generation, they love to travel, they love to go places. They want to go all over the world, they want to explore all the beliefs, and one one like shadow trait is they can get lost too much into that so it's just important to kind of stay focused and stay on track but it's very interesting all these different generational shifts then pluto and capricorn so that was from like 2008 2009 up until now because technically we're gonna have pluto and capricorn until 2024 so we're still not officially done with this transit but the pluto and capricorn generation that was and now i'm just reading from the only astrology book you'll ever need because Capricorn is a sign of government, long-time security. Pluto may have the effect of bringing a new world order into being. Individual nations may join in a system of world government that leads to greater stability. And super interesting because we've definitely been seeing that happen. And then it's also like, it's no coincidence because when Pluto first went into Capricorn in 2008, that's when the banking crisis happened. That's when you saw the collapse of the banking system. And of course, it's no coincidence to me that we're seeing the same thing happen again at the tail end of Pluto in Capricorn because we are going to be still like seeing, oh, there's a little rabbit in my backyard now. What up, rabbit? Okay, anyway, sorry for that distraction. Because we're going to be seeing Pluto go back into Capricorn this year because, okay, we had Pluto first dip into Aquarius March 23rd, but then Mar January, not January, June 11th, 2023 is when we have Pluto retrograde back into Capricorn. Then we don't get Pluto back into Aquarius until January of 2024. 
So really, this year is just like a little sneak pre. It's like a little three month preview. It's a little sneak preview, and like I feel like that's true Aquarius fashion too. It's like I'm gonna tease you guys. I'm just gonna dip into the sign for three months, and then I'm just gonna piece back out into Capricorn because then so from. January 21st, 2024 to September of 2024 is when we have Pluto and Aquarius. But then, on September 2nd of 2024, we have Pluto retrograde back into Capricorn. (laughs) So it's not until November 19th of 2024 is the official, official, official date of Pluto entering into Aquarius officially, where it won't retrograde back into another sign. So really, this year is just like a little... A little sneak preview flavor of what we can really expect with Pluto and Aquarius. So now that we know all so much about Pluto and Pluto in the different generations, because to me Pluto acts as like a drill. Like and now this is just my own like Pluto commentary. You're welcome for that. And so to me like Pluto acts as a drill and like you can take Pluto as deep as you want like you can keep drilling till you get to like the center of the earth the center of the core or you can just drill and just until you get enough to plant like whatever like plant a tree and it's really at your discretion and it's really just up to you like how much like how like deep of the work you want to do with Pluto and then obviously it also depends like on your own Pluto placement because we're all born in different generations and I know on this podcast that I have like a lot of you either have like Pluto Scorpio, Pluto and Sagittarius or there are some older people on this podcast as well so I think you either would have like Pluto and Leo or Pluto and Virgo don't really have a lot of Pluto Libras that listen to this podcast, but that's okay. Still love you all. But now I want to talk about Pluto and Aquarius. I'm actually going to be reading from, because I have this article pulled up on Pluto and Aquarius from astro.com. And I just want to read like this because I thought this was a pretty good like example Because it says, like, a first attempt at interpretation. This is from Aster.com. There seem to be a lot of expectations attached to Pluto and Aquarius. While some expect the final decline and destruction of our culture, others are full of hope in a view of supposedly dawning Aquarian age in which everything would be full of harmony and love. Such expectations or forecasts tell a lot of people who make them, but as good as nothing about the astro- astrological connections. In connection with Pluto and Aquarius, astrologers are also very quick to reference the French Revolution, which took place during Pluto's last day in Aquarius. So you had the French Revolution, the American Revolution... However, the French Revolution did not take place until 12 years after Pluto first entered Aquarius. So we first had the American Revolution and then we had the French Revolution. Very interesting. It's also a bit strange that astrologers seem to have a negativity bias. Bias is a term used in science to describe a systematic error. When astrologers interpret constellations on mundane astrology, the first thing they do is check the ephemeris. Okay, blah, blah, blah. Okay, Aquarius has to do with the subject of change. If Capricorn was about fixed structures, laws, and rules, and so Pluto and Capricorn was breaking all those old system downs, Aquarius is about breaking rules, balancing differences, justice, freedom. If we look at the consequences of the last transit of Pluto, for example, from 1777 to 1798, it brought an end to the estate-based society, a clear separation of church and state, human and civil rights were formulated, and freedom of trade which was introduced. For the rulers, this must have been quite an uncomfortable time. The idea of freedom equality spread throughout the world and caused some royal houses to take even more restrictive and brutal action against their own subjects. So I'm going to stop reading from that article because To me, it really sounds like Pluto and Aquarius is giving power back to the people as well because Pluto in astrology represents your power, like your own personal power. Like it's P, P for power, Pluto power. So this is Pluto and Aquarius is giving power back to humanity, back to the people. 
Pluto in Capricorn was all about dismantling the corrupt systems, dismantling the systems. So now with us being in Pluto and Aquarius, this is time for us to rebuild the systems for what will uplift and serve humanity as a whole. Not just serve the 1% and serve the kings and queens, but will actually serve all of humanity and will continue to uplift humanity. I apologize for jumping all over the place in this episode, but I want to go to the Greek mythology real quick of Pluto before I forget. So the Greek mythology behind Pluto. Pluto is rule like Pluto is seen to have of the archetype of Hades from Greek mythology and this is from the Greek mythology website. So Hades, Greek god of the underworld, he's one of the Olympian gods. It says Hades is the ancient Greek god of the underworld, the place where human souls go after death. In time, his name became synonymous with his realm. It has to be said, unsurprisingly, since he barely left it appropriately, the most significant myth related to Hades concerns one of the very few times he did to abduct Demeter's daughter, Persephone. And I personally believe, because to me, I think Pluto can be a very dualistic planet as well with like that, those with like going into the underworld and really like focusing on our shadows but also learning to balance out the light and dark so personally I think Persephone could be considered like the co-ruler so to me Pluto is like kind of co-ruled by Hades and Persephone now we're going to keep reading here Hades name means the unseen one a suitable name since Hades is the ruler of the invisible world. However, the ancient Greeks rarely used this name, just like Christians rarely used the word hell during the Middle Ages. But that's interesting that Hades means the unseen one because we can't see Pluto with the naked eye. They just got pictures of Pluto back in 2008. So, like, I love that this name means the unseen one and then also like the fact that Pluto rules the occult the occult is hidden information not demonic information but hidden hidden not demonic because a lot of the times when you say the word occult people automatically assume it's like associated with demon worship and it's not like it's just hidden information and so I love that Hades' name means the unseen one because, yes, Pluto is all about uncovering the unseen, the unknown. Hades' portrayal and symbolism. As the ruler of the dead, Hades was a grim and ghastly figure, inspiring awe and terror in everybody. Consequently, he was rarely depicted in art. When he was, he was most commonly portrayed with a beard and a solemn, mournful look. He frequently wears a helmet, named the Helm of Darkness or the Cap of Invisibility. Cerberus, the three-headed dog which guarded the entrance to the underworld, is usually beside him. Every so often, he carries a scepter or holds the key to his kingdom. At a later stage, he became associated with his weapon of choice, the Biden, a two-pronged fork modeled after Poseidon's trident. As Ploton, he was someone, he was sometimes shown with a cornucopia, the Horn of Plenty. And so then it says like Hades' birth. So Hades was the fourth child of the Titans, Kronos and Rhea. So Kronos, so Saturn's his mom or Saturn's his dad. That's interesting. And then his, he was the first of the three brothers. So Neptune and Jupiter are his brothers, Poseidon, Zeus or his brothers, so that's interesting. And then, this is the tale of Persephone. I want to mention this as well, because I know I mentioned it last week as well, just because Persephone always comes up, like, around this time with, like, the spring equinox. But it says, by far the most important myth is Hades' abduction of Persephone, Demeter's daughter, because Ceres, the dwarf planet, is, like, that's, like, the archetype of Demeter. And that was one of the few times Hades traveled above ground. The reason naturally was love. He fell for Persephone. However, Persephone didn't want to give in as easily. So Hades divide, devised an ingenious ploy. As Persephone was gathering flowers with her maidens, he caused an indescribably beautiful flower to suddenly bloom before her. When she reached out to pluck it, the ground under her opened, and Hades appeared before her, all dreadful and majestic in his four-horse golden chariot, and took her with him to the underworld. Demeter, the goddess of fertility, was so distressed at the absence of her daughter that she started fastening and wonderingly aimlessly. 
Finally, after nine, nine days, Hecate told her what happened after the all-seeing Helios confirmed the event. Demeter left Olympus as an act of protest against the injustice done to her. With her gone, the earth was as bare as and as infertile as a desert. One year passed and the gods started worrying that the famine would wipe out humanity. So Zeus sent all the gods one by one to beg Demeter to come back. She wanted none. The only thing she wanted was to see her daughter once again. So Zeus had no choice but to send Hermes, aka Mercury, to Hades. So Mercury, he's one of the only planets that can like go down deep. Like he he meets with Pluto like once a year, Mercury. So you have Mercury going to meet up with Hades to request the return of Persephone to Demeter. And he complied, but only after making Persephone one pomegranate seed before leaving, this ensured she would remain bound to his kingdom internally. And then that's where we get the myth where Persephone would only spend two-thirds of the year with her mother and then one-third of the year with Hades. So that's kind of where you get like the changing of the seasons too. So enough with the Greek mythology behind it, but I always find the Greek mythology interesting. And to me, like I think Pluto can also kind of represent duality and then also like the masculine feminine energy. So like you have Hades, the masculine energy, and then you have Persephone, the divine feminine energy. And now I just I want to talk a little more about Aquarius too with Pluto in Aquarius. So like Aquarius we know is a fixed air sign. They're co-ruled by Saturn and Uranus. And so with Pluto going in Aquarius like to me I definitely feel like a big technological revolution or some like tech rebirth could happen. And there's already been all this talk about artificial intelligence and I was looking at the news and kind of got lost in another artificial intelligence rabbit hole when I was looking at the news because something that was really interesting was like I'm seeing some fear go around about like what jobs like AI could replace and there are like quite a few jobs that eventually maybe AI could replace, but I don't think we have to fear around that. I think that really like this Pluto and Aquarius is teaching us how can we like how can we find a way to work with AI, but also where it's not going to take humanity down? How can we find a way to get it to serve and uplift humanity and not just serve the 1%? I really feel this is about us all coming together as a whole, really bringing the community aspect about and the physical community, not just internet, online, social community, but an actual physical community where we're out there with people, physical like contact. That's like the type of community that we really need with Pluto and Aquarius. Now I want to go through the history because I have the history timelines from like the 1500s and the 1700s just so we can kind of get a better idea as well like what happened back then when they had Pluto and Aquarius. Okay so first we're going to look at the history from like the 1533 to 1553 because there was like a lot of like reformation going on around then because that was like after that was was pretty much after the renaissance the renaissance was kind of coming to its tail end at this time so really the renaissance was like pluto and sagittarius pluto and capricorn or kind of like pluto scorpio pluto sagittarius pluto capricorn and then pluto and aquarius was kind of like the ending for this renaissance period because in 1535 and that we had pluto and aquarius then it says reformation begins as Henry VIII makes himself head of English church after being excommunicated by Pope Sir Thomas More, executed as a traitor for refusal to acknowledge the king's religious authority. So that's interesting. And then in 1536, you have Henry VIII executes his second wife, Anne Boleyn. Jan Calvin established was formed in reformed the Presbyterian in the Presbyterian form of Protestantism. So that's when Protest Protest Protestantism, that religion institution from Christianity that came around. Then he wrote the Institute of the Christian Religion. You also we also had Michelangelo's last judgment piece come out. So see this is where like it's the tail end of the Renaissance period. So you saw Michelangelo doing stuff and it says you had John, and this is 1541, John Knox leads Reformation in Scotland, establishes Presbyterian Church. So a lot of religious, like, Reformation going on around here. You have the publication on 1543 on the Revolution of Heavenly Bodies by... 
Polish scholar Nicholas Copernicus giving his theory that the earth revolved around the sun. So that's interesting that came out with Pluto and Aquarius. So it's going to be interesting like what new like astronomy information, what new stuff about our solar system, about our galaxy are we going to learn about with Pluto and Aquarius because Aquarius has that very like interdimensional, extra dimensional quality about them. And then it says Then in 1545, Council of Trent to meet intermittently until 1563 to define Catholic dogma. 1547, Ivan the Terrible was crowned Tsar of Russia. He began his conquest and battled. And then it said from 1553, Roman Catholicism was restored in England by Queen Mary I. And I have another, like, timeline pulled up as well. Here we go. So, yeah, from, like, because it says from 1501 to 1550, politics and the Reformation. So, and then it says that Charles V took power in Spain from 1516 and 1530. So, he was in power with Pluto and Aquarius. There were some Italian wars that were happening with Pluto and Capricorn. And so it was just like big reformation, like trying to get things back in order with Pluto and Aquarius. So it's like, which is definitely what I can see happening here because like Pluto and Capricorn, even back then in the 1500s, like it brought like some, like it brought like collapses of systems. And then with Pluto and Aquarius, it's all about like reforming and rebuilding that but in a different light where it will serve humanity. So let's see what was going on in 1700. So that was really interesting. I hope you guys are enjoying this with me. So now this is Pluto and Aquarius in 1777 to 1798. You have the discovery of Hawaii was made, that state, the islands of Hawaii. You have the discovery of the planet Uranus. So could we discover another planet? With Pluto and Aquarius? Are we going to find another planet maybe? The 1783 Revolutionary War ends with Treaty of Paris. So, and that's the American Revolutionary War. Then you have, let's see what else. Then 1787 was the Constitution of the United States. That's when it was signed. And 1789 was the French Revolution. So the beginning of Pluto and Aquarius, we first had the American Revolution. And then you have the French Revolution. Oh my gosh, what's really interesting too is we're actually kind of seeing some, we're seeing riots happen in France right now actually. So Pluto and Aquarius, so interesting. Oh my gosh, I this is why like guys, astrology is totally real. Like you can't make this shit up like this Oh my gosh, this is just such wild stuff. This always blows my mind and makes me so excited. And it's giving me an astrogasm over here because, like, we can't make this stuff up. Like, I know in France right now, they've been rioting and revolting because about the retirement age, Macron, the prime minister of France, right now it's like 62 and they wanted to raise it to 64. And so people are out in the streets rioting about that right now. So, oh my gosh, no coincidence either that there was the French Revolution that happened with Pluto and Aquarius because that was from 1789 to 1799. Total Pluto and Aquarius vibes right there. So are we going to see some sort of revolution in France, in Europe? Are we going to see it happen in America? Like, so interesting here. So like, and there's definitely been talks of war. That was with Marie Antoinette with that French Revolution because Louis, like King Louis, the, what is that, the the, the seventh? No, that's the 16th. And Marie Antoinette were executed. That was the reign of tower in France. We also had the cotton gin invented back with Pluto and Aquarius. So are we going to have some new, like, cool inventions? And very interesting here. So a lot of interesting events that happen with Pluto and Aquarius, but really like big themes of like reformation, rebuilding. So it's like, how can we reform and rebuild to serve and uplift humanity? How can we make it to be inclusive where it will serve everyone and not just like 
have like not have like outcasts and have like people outcasted by society this is a time for us all to put our individual unique differences aside and work together put those differences aside and own your uniqueness own your unique quirks and differences and use that to your own advantage so i'm gonna keep it at that for pluto and aquarius i feel we've we've talked a lot about like what pluto means so like pluto this is just kind of like a recap now so like pluto and astrology represents like your power traits so wherever pluto is in your chart that is where you can use it that is where you can be the most powerful but sometimes like and i'll i'm just going to use myself an example because i have pluto in scorpio in the fourth house and so for me like i do have a fear of like public speaking i have a fear of sometimes leaving the house and so this is where i need to overcome those fears because if i can overcome those fears and transmute it into the highest expression i can use that pluto and scorpio in the fourth house to the highest advantage to go help make a difference for others to be that powerful person for others in their own life and you can with but also pluto while it also represents power it also kind of shows us our magic like our hidden magic and it also shows us okay where we've also may have had like our greatest pain but not to hold on to that pain and not play victim to it, but to transmute that pain and use that as like use that pain as your story to help you to help you grow and learn so you can become that higher, better version of you. And with Pluto and Aquarius and well, we will be getting flavors of Pluto and Capricorn again this year and into next year, this is really challenging us and like asking us all, okay, how can we start to find ways to be inclusive for humanity? How can we start to find ways to uplift and serve humanity in the best way possible? How can we find new ways to work with technology, not demonize technology, not use technology for bad, but how can we find ways to use technology for the highest good of all human beings on this planet? I want to pull a couple cards just to see what comes through for Pluto and Aquarius. The first deck I'm pulling from is the Starseed Oracle deck. I always get some Aquarius vibes from this deck, so figured we would pull from this one. And the card we got was Baby Steps, and it says Action, follow your intuition before it makes sense. It says you're being called to take grounded action in response to your soul's calling, to start where you are and begin building in a consistent way. So many people stop themselves from living a soul-led life because they're waiting to know the destination before taking the first step. But intuition doesn't work like that. Our soul is always calling us every moment of every day. The way to find yourself in harmony with the cosmos is to listen to your soul's baby calls and whispers each and every day and to take grounded action in the direction of those calls and whispers you're being encouraged to start small bite size to put one foot in front of the other to do one thing every day to break things down into achievable tasks time on earth goes slower than on other planets this may cause frustrations for star seeds who can expect a faster pace of manifestation and thus give up before the seeds begin to sprout if you resonate with that it's time to opt for consistency over urgency take time time to take baby steps in the direction of your calling to remember that you don't need to have it all figured out or know exactly where the path is leading you you don't have to know every single step along the way before you set out on your great journey you just need to take the next step. And then it says starseed soul inquiry. What's one simple baby step you can take in the direction of your soul's calling? I love that we got this card. And I also wanted to read this because I drink like the Yogi tea brand in the mornings. And I love the little messages on the tea bags. And this one I thought was like really special. And I thought definitely Pluto and Aquarius vibes. It says the world needs your unique gifts. Don't leave them with them. Don't leave with them still inside you. Like, so powerful. Like, yogi tea for the win. Let me read that again. The world needs your unique gifts. Don't leave with them still inside you. This is so Pluto and Aquarius, too, because it's like, you really want to know your gifts, your untapped potential? Dive into your Pluto. Dive into your Pluto in your own chart. And this is actually giving me a really good idea to maybe just do like Pluto astrology readings where we just focus on Pluto. Because I could probably spend an hour in someone's astrology chart just looking at Pluto. Oh, you know, I'm going to test that out with my friends and then I'll get back to you guys next week and maybe I will have that as like a real offering because that's actually a really good idea. So yeah, I'm going to play around with that. But now let's pull a tarot card. 
Now a tarot card. I got another tarot deck and this is the Tarot of the Owls. So it's all owls and I really like this deck. It's cool. But we got the world card. It's a major arcana. It is the final major arcana card. So I love that we got this after going through and entering into a new astrology year, a new Pluto sign, a new Mars sign. Love this because this this card it's cool because it depicts like it shows earth and like outer space and then it shows like a big like barn owl on top of earth just sitting there and it says the owl is on top of the world he has accomplished many things during this cycle of his life and is sending to the next level this is a chance for him to pause he is reflecting celebrating all of his accomplishments getting ready to plan for the future there's nothing in the world that he cannot do because he believes that success is meant for him also, the world owl knows that just because he has hit his goal doesn't mean it stops here. There is always more to achieve and success is a lifelong journey. The world owl can now take all the skills and wisdom he acquired and use it to help himself on his next adventure. Everything that you have worked for is coming to completion and you have achieved your goal. A wish that you have been dreaming of for so long is now your reality. It might have taken longer than you thought it would, but you feel fulfilled and happy with the results. You've also grown and matured on a physical soul level. You are ready for the next part of your journey. Like this is so in line with like where we're at astrologically. So I love that we got this card. And I'm going to leave it at that for this episode. I know we talked a lot about Pluto. Like we talked about just Pluto in general, the Greek mythology behind Pluto, Pluto and Aquarius, Pluto through some other signs, depending on which year you were born in. And definitely, like, I, I still truly believe that this is, like, the reason why we picked to come back down to this planet was for Pluto and Aquarius. Because it can definitely bring some beautiful magical energy vibes. And actually one more thing I want to share. Because I saw this the other day and I thought it was so funny. Because apparently there was like some news story. There were a few news headlines that on March 23rd of 2023. Aliens were supposed to come to the planet. And I was like of course they would choose that day. The day that Pluto goes into Aquarius. Because Aquarius always has like some weird interdimensional vibes. Some alien vibes to it. And I love Aquarius for that. But I just thought that was so funny, so Pluto and Aquarius. And I'm like, oh, these muggles, they don't even know what's coming. Like, the aliens are already here on the planet. That's the true Pluto and Aquarius message. But we'll be talking about that later in another, another podcast episode. Maybe I'll just do one like Pluto and Aquarius with aliens. Is that bringing the alien revolution? Could bring an alien revolution too. Who knows? Okay, now I'm kind of going on another tangent here. This is what I mean, guys, where I can go on for hours about Pluto. So if you enjoyed this episode, I can do another like Pluto part two of Aquarius and we can just talk forever about it. But hope this episode helped. Hope you all are having a good start to your week. Hope everyone has a great week. Hope everyone is having an okay start with Pluto and Aquarius. But until the next episode, we will chat again soon.